Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Well, John, you know, this is, uh, we want to sort of dramatize the situation today about medical debt and just what a big deal it is. And, you know, a lot of people uh, lose their home or get thrown out of their house because of medical debt. It looks like you're sitting outside of your house right now, John. Did you get tossed out because of a medical debt? Well, well uh, not because of medical debt, but there's nothing more to disclose. <laughs> all right, John. Well, that's that's what they all say, you know, when it was. If you didn't pay for that tonsillectomy or whatever. Got care CareCentrics shirt for you. You're picking on they, me again. I think there's a requirement that they have to leave you with your shirt and a one fresh pair of underpants, so we won't ask about tomorrow. But in any case, John, medical debt, very serious topic. You know, by some accounts, up to 100 million American adults are in medical debt. I think it's high time we discussed it. It brings the country together at a time of division. One thing that all Americans appear to share is too much medical debt. What is medical debt, David? John, it's, I, I thought you'd never ask, you know, because it is a strange concept, <laughs> you know. It's basically medical debt is – actually, you know what I think it is? bullshit. But medical <laughs> you know, medical debt is technically – Can we say that? that well, we'll, see, we'll see whether our, our – It's our true, it but can we say it? We're going to find out. In this to topic, I think it's, it's fine. So, you know, it, basically it's a medical expense that isn't covered by insurance, which then becomes a past due bill – that you don't pay, and it gets written off, sent as a bad debt out for collection, and then that becomes a medical debt. So that's how your little visit to the office became a medical debt. Well, wait a second, David. Of course, every provider tells me exactly how much I'm going to owe when I go for some procedure, whether it's uh, to have a, a mole checked for skin cancer or my leg is broken. I mean, how could there be any surprises I mean, there's so much transparency and clarity around pricing. I mean, it's ludicrous. John, the thing is, you know, it, it, it is um, eventually just kind of sold off, you know, or it's contracted or the provider holds it and tries to, tries to collect from it. And it does get reported to the credit bureau. So you can say it's ridiculous, but, you know, when it appears on your well, credit report, that's it. Yeah, but, but what makes medical debt different than other kinds of debt? Well, so if you think about a classic example of, of a debt that's sent out for collection, let's say you had a, a cell phone bill and you didn't pay your bill. Well, you know, probably you signed up for the cell phone bill. Maybe you didn't read it too carefully exactly which plan you got and how much it would be, or you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to have to pay it, but you knew it was something you wanted to buy at some time. Now, a medical uh, debt is usually for a product or service that not only didn't you sign up for, you didn't actually want it in the first place. You'd rather not be sick. And it also tends to happen, John, like if you go out and get a new cell phone to give that contrast, hey, you're feeling good. Maybe you got a little raise, a little boost, feeling good at the office. But when you go and have a, a medical bill, it's probably at a time when your earnings may be under pressure. Someone's sick, you might not be able to work. And the other thing, John, that makes it even more the case is that your cell phone bill, okay, maybe it's $200 a month, which is a lot or whatever you pay for it. It's not 200000 or 20000 or some number you have no idea of. Whereas the medical debt could be, that's why I say it's BS, John. I'll use that term. It's a nicer term because it could be just a totally nonsense number and also could be something the insurance company was supposed to pay. Well, one of the really hard things about medical debt, and true, it's true of, of high, healthcare pricing in general, is that it's not actually a fixed thing or a predictable thing. And so it's very different than your, 
your laundry bill, your, your grocery bill, or your cell phone bill, where to your point, you're picking what you're buying, the price is clear, and once the price is established, it doesn't change. In, in healthcare, you don't pick a, a price or a service, rather, typically. Um, you rarely know what that price is, and it's rarely, uh, the, the, is it one that you couldn't negotiate if you weren't an insurance company versus an individual? It's really confusing. And to your point about being inflant, in, you know, potentially inflated or just wrong. And that's why there's this weird thing where a lot of people don't pay their medical bills because they just don't even understand it. Um, and so, David, obviously, this medical debt thing is a problem for America, but America's leading in one big category. I mean, after all, what country has the most medical debt per capita in the world? <laughs> John, you could have left it right at the story of what country has the most medical debt or what country has medical debt? Because the concept of medical debt, you know, it's like Vegemite, you know, it only exists in one place. And so it's sort of like if you want to eat- it's gross. <laughs> well, it's an acquired taste. You know, you grew up, you can eat Vegemite. I like it. I grew up with medical debt. I enjoy it, John. I like getting the mail and getting 50 bills from Eurofins, which I got the other day that said that I hadn't paid for some COVID test from two years ago or that they paid my insurance company. I was supposed to pay them back. John, it's only in, only in America, John, American exceptionalism. So it's the highest here in the U.S. Well, and just, just to put a, a round number, about 41% of all American adults have medical debt. Near, around 100 million people and 12% of all Americans have debt, medical debt that's greater than $10,000. In a country where a $1,000 you know, bills, surprise bill can 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 turn the average a lot of Americans household budgets upside down ten thousand dollars of medical debt for twelve percent of America according to the Kaiser Family Foundation in 2019 is insanely high so in addition to being it unpredictable and difficult to understand I mean the, the <laughs> I mean what I get a kick out of is the providers explanation of benefits and bills don't always conform to the language that you can even understand. And then health insurers send these incredibly detailed, also confusing letters often that then describe how big a discount they've provided, but you still owe money. It's, it's, it's really, it's complicated for even those of us in healthcare. Yeah. And it just, there has to be a better way. Well, John, let's, let's give a, let's give the, let, let's take it from the other side and that's sort of the provider and the care and the, uh, and the insurer side. One of the things that I do enjoy about getting that letter from the insurance company is at least it says, this is not a bill. And I can say, thank God, you know, at least it says what I may owe, but it doesn't actually ask me for anything. Now we said as a, as a patient, you know, you don't want to be there. You're dragged in, et cetera. But from the provider, they may also say, who the heck is this guy? You know, some guy with no insurance landed on my doorstep and I had to poke at him and he, you know, did something stupid to get here in the first place, didn't take care of himself or whatever it may be. And now I got to try to collect for my services, my valuable services. So what do you want? Okay, Dr. Williams, you overcharging monster. Let's start with the notion like, why don't we have a system where there's a standard price for uh, services? And that the price that you pay out of pocket, the cash price, the price that you pay if you don't have coverage, isn't just the average of all the negotiated prices that the insurance companies have negotiated. That you have some predictability here. 
it's sort of insane that we have no regulatory support because the people who are really going to get in trouble here are people on fixed budgets or with limited income or who just are, are not educated enough or aggressive enough not to negotiate with the carriers and the providers, because often it's the out-of-pocket price that's much higher than the insurance companies. And, and it's one that you can't even understand. I mean, David, the Kaiser Family Foundation estimates that, you know, the medical debt alone drives about a million people a year into bankruptcy. The two-thirds of those people who are declared personal bankruptcy start with uh, a pretty large, go into it with pretty large medical debt. That yeah. One out of three or one out of two people think about, because they've got debt, worry about even going to get service, which means they're going to get sicker and those bills will eventually come due to all of us. I mean, this is a system that, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's a toxic system that we've all become much more comfortable with. And it's really hard to believe that we couldn't create a system where the out-of-pocket cost or the net cost to the consumer wouldn't be simpler and fairer. But until that happens, we're still kind of, again, it's better post-Obamacare because with more coverage, more of the, more of the, in, more of the incremental bills are being paid by insurance. But it's still a pretty material problem, and it just feels unfair. So, John, I think we're in a similar spot on the policy side of things. Let's talk a little bit about how these crazy things happen. Because, you know, the typical, I won't speak for hospitals, but the typical physician, you know, nice people, and they're not trying to necessarily rip you off. But the couple of things that happen that lead to this phenomenon of someone like uh, you or I getting a crazy bill. And one of them is that the provider will say, well, you know, I'll send this bill out to somebody that came in here without proper insurance or whatever, and only one out of five of them is going to pay me. Therefore, I got to charge more to the one that does pay uh, so that, you know, to make up for all the ones that don't. Now, that that's unfair. That's <laughs> unfair. That, look, 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 do, do, Dr. Kevorkian, meet Dr. Williams. I mean, that is unfair. And that's well, not, Dr. Kevorkian, and you, and and to, to be fair, Dr. Kevorkian does not get a lot of repeat business. He doesn't have a lot of chronic illness patients, which are your better patients. You're, 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 but, but it's totally unfair. There has to be, I mean, there's this, there's this new Biden bill around kind of treating medical differently. It's, it's ironic that the transparency bill and regulation got passed, but not this medical debt, which is really crippling for low-income people. And the reality is this debt can be retired for pennies on the dollar. The whole system's a, a, a bunch of baloney. Well, John, uh, do you hear you that, know? David? Baloney. <laughs> that, 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 that for every hundred, uh, look, look, go on the internet, you know, that whole, that whole Google machine of yours, yeah. and look up RIP medical debt. For every hundred dollars that people give, they can retire $10,000 of medical debt because the way this works is there's this decreasing amount of yield to your point about the bill as it sits out there for longer it's sold from one person to another for collections and there's no historically no limits on what the collectors can say and do or very few and then it can hit people's credit ratings there's a modest amount of voluntary movement which is positive on the credit agencies to stop tagging people's credit ratings with medical debt but this is a real problem that you are trivializing by misconstruing the position of the physician. 
John, hurt me, hurt me more, you know, but you didn't even let me give the second reason. Okay, so this so the one What's reason that, that they the, the one reason they give, as I said, is because, you know, not many people will pay, so they have to overcharge the one that does. But the other reason is that they'll say, Well, this is my overall, you know, my rack rate. And then if I give you a discount, then that means I gotta give some insurance company a discount. And I don't need you to pay it, but I need the insurance company to pay this big amount. Or maybe there's some of these there's some of these so called secondary uh, provider networks where I've agreed you know, to give a 20. You're getting lost here. I am not. The, av- the average American doesn't know what they're being charged. Joe they, get bills, they, ca- they, they can't understand. Yeah. The, they're, they're, the, in many cases, the out-of-pocket cost is much higher than the negotiated average. They then get bills, particularly at a point of vulnerability, that they can't understand or unpack unless they hire some expert, when the reality is, these bills are weighing down on people's credit histories. They're driving people into bankruptcy. And, you know, they're, they're, they're trading on the private market for 10 cents on the dollar. This system needs to be fixed. And I think p- posturing for the providers who genuinely, to your point, need to get paid for their services. There's, look, we have a $4 trillion healthcare market. We shouldn't be put in, uh, uh, dollars paid for healthcare in America. We shouldn't be putting a million people a year into bankruptcy. That's that system's nuts. So, John, you know, as you said, there's been some modest progress potentially because there's definitely pressure. It's you know, everyone, everyone cares about this. But what is it that the credit agencies are actually doing, and is it meaningful at all? They made some announcements well, earlier this year. They're, 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 you're right. The credit agencies, the Equifaxes and the Experians and all the other great names companies, the companies that sound like technology companies, but they're just credit agencies, um, are actually extending the time before your credit rating is is deteriorates that would allow you to actually negotiate and pay. Um, they're increasing the amounts that 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 would count towards a negative credit score. But David, that is, you know, you're you're talking about negotiating over the dessert when the main course is the problem. This is it's great that they're making progress. D- don't I don't want to uh, to uh, to ignore that. But my lord, four trillion dollars, and we can't find a way to pay people's medical bills that are sending people into bankruptcy, that are that are stressing them out. Your truth is more likely to be suffering from anxiety and depression if you've got medical debt. Well, guess why? Because you've got medical debt, you can't pay. This is this is a problem we could solve, Dave, just by forcing the by, by you know, from a regulatory perspective, requiring that that providers don't overcharge those who are paying cash, requiring that there be a standard, simple way of describing the bills, and providing some access to credit counseling and support on the part of the providers for those patients that can, that really can't pay, because I'm sure there are scoff laws out there who don't want to pay their bills, and obviously those folks ought to be chased. But a lot of this is burdening people who have a very hard, either don't understand it, can't pay it, and need more time, but also more support, particularly when the, the provider, the person who's actually going to get paid, is only going to get 10 to 15 cents on the dollar of the amount of the bill that's, that's weighing so many Americans down. John, I read an interesting statistic the other day, and it said you're more likely to be hit by lightning than to receive an accurate medical bill. 
So I think that is, uh, you know, it was some of these things, you know, you don't believe, but that, that one sounded right to me. I want to ask you a final question, John, on this topic, which is, you know, is this a good topic for politics? Is this like the third rail of politics or is this a good one for politicians to run Everybody on? Everybody should be every, but every family in America has gotten a goofy medical bill. And most people have had a hard time figuring out what they really should pay. And so I think this is a great issue. Let's make healthcare work for all Americans. Let's make sure people understand their bills and that when they can't pay it, they get the support to pay it. That's an all-American issue that could bring this country together, David. Okay. So you're not going to take a stab at whether it's better for Republicans or Democrats? I think it's good for every everybody suffers in this system. Everybody's got a family member that probably most people probably have a family member who's got a medical bill that they're having a hard time paying. And look at look up that website, ripmedicaldebt.com. It's really it's it, it's it's really insightful. Um, maybe we'll both make some contributions to help bring down that medical debt. But uh, David, you know, go America. Let's get let's solve this problem as a as, on a bipartisan basis. That sounds good, John. I'm going to say it's better for the Democrats because when they uh, get to talk about these issues, it points out some of the problems in the so-called you know, free market uh, economy in uh, in healthcare. So that's who I think it's better for. And anyway, I'll make a donation to ripmedicaldebt.org just so I can hear you stop talking about it. Uh, <laughs> and that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. We've been talking about medical debt. We're in your debt uh, to our listeners uh, and streamers because we love you and we love talking about healthcare. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Care Hendricks. Thanks for listening and please subscribe on your favorite service.